This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. On this episode, I talk with the assistant coach of Duke men's soccer program and also their recruiting coordinator, and that is Chris Rich. Chris is also a U.S. soccer scout and a coaching educator with United Soccer Coaches. And in this episode, we get into the nitty-gritty of recruiting, of scouting, of coaching education, and a great deal of other topics. And I'm super excited to share this episode with you. Chris was a phenomenal guest. I was excited to finally get him on. Him and I have been talking for quite a while about getting him on the podcast. So it's exciting to get him on there. Chris is also a youth soccer coach um, outside of the Development Academy and ECNL Network. So he's also very tuned into that facet of American soccer as well. So I think that everybody is going to have something to take away from this particular episode. So I'm excited to share it. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, please consider giving it a rating on the platform that you are listening. For instance, uh, Apple Podcasts, just go and leave a five-star rating and a review that helps other people find the show. And of course, if you share it on social media, that will also help people find the show. And if you enjoy this podcast and all the podcasts and all the stuff that we do here at 343, you should also consider checking out our premium coaching membership. So that program is a program that I vouch for all the time because it's something I've personally used. I've seen the results uh, that come directly from the content that is provided in that premium coaching membership. And so the stuff that's included in there is you get uh, access to the core exercises. So there's 12 to 15 core exercises that 343 uses. So you get access to those with video explanations, eBooks, audio lessons, and there's also classroom presentations and on-field clinics, uh, videos of those on-field clinics that kind of just go, it's a deep, deep, deep dive into the 343 methodology. And you can get all of that at 343coaching.com. And uh, I was out, uh, I was out for a walk earlier today, actually, and I, and I wrote this down as kind of like a, a good description of what I think the 343 premium membership can help you with. So this is the note that I wrote down. So you know how you want your teams to play, but you just need some proven methods to help you get there. So that's, I feel like a lot of where coaches or where a lot of coaches are at, like the coaches know how they want their teams to play. And in their head, they think that their teams maybe are playing a certain way or they, they think that they want to get their teams there, but they just need a little bit of extra help to, to actually get them there. And, and so if you're looking for your teams to play possession-based soccer, 343 premium membership is going to help you get your teams to where they need to be and where you want them to be. So once again, you can find that at 343coaching.com. All right, that's it for the intro today. I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Chris Rich. Hey, Chris, how's it going? 
Hey, John, how you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to uh, glad to finally get you on the phone, dude. Yeah, me too, man. Appreciate you uh, having me. Yeah. Hey, I, I just want to make sure. Was it you that I had lunch with at the convention in L.A. a couple years ago with John Kerr and Terry Ransbury? I think so. Well... <laughs> I, uh, okay. I, I think you're only there like briefly. You might have you might have taken off like halfway through. I, I did. I did have a little cameo appearance. Uh, I'm trying to remember that exact launch, but I do remember being with Terry and uh, and John there. I do. Um, so yes, that was me. <laughs> I was, so I was, we have met then. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to think if it was if it was you, but I can't I can't imagine John being with anybody. Else being with John and and Terry and anybody else being there but you cuz I, I they've both spoken to me about you before so yeah well you say that and and, and pick your pick your poison John's uh, John knows everyone so <laughs> um i mean you you're a betting man if you can uh figure out which one uh, he's at lunch with and that's pretty much what Terry's told me every time that like i i've gotten ready to to do something with John and i've only met him on i don't know I can probably count the times on one hand, but he's like, dude, th- this is the guy that, that knows everybody in the world of soccer. So just be prepared. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. He's, he's, he's super connected. You know, he was, a, he was a big player back in the day. Right. So he's super connected through that. His dad was a, um, pretty popular coach back in the day as well. He's connected to that. And, and obviously being the head coach at Duke, uh, goes a long way as well. But, uh, yeah, he's friends with many for sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, Chris, do, do me a favor, introduce yourself and tell people who you are, what you do, where you do it, and then uh, and then I got I got a laundry list of, of potential topics that we can get into. I, I doubt we'll we'll touch on everything, but um, I, I'm definitely interested in, in your perspective on on a lot of things, and and I think it's probably just important for people to understand a little bit about who you are and, and, and what you do or, or what you're trying to do, and um, and that'll kind of set the stage for the rest of the conversation. Sure, sure. Um, my name is Chris Rich. Uh, I'm currently the assistant coach uh, at Duke for the men's program here. Um, I, I work with. You know, my main role probably is as a recruiting coordinator, um, head of scouting, if you will, uh, identifying talent uh, for our recruiting classes. I, I also work as a U.S. soccer scout and, and do a little uh, little coaching education as a staff instructor uh, with the United Soccer Coaches as well. How uh, How is that dynamic working for both U.S. soccer and United Soccer Coaches? Has that... Uh, has or maybe maybe another way to ask the question is has anything changed in, in recent years in those two roles and you yeah. occupying both? Yeah, well, well first um, they're completely different roles. So with United Soccer Coaches, I'm strictly a instructor for residential courses. So I, I'm there. I'm staffed for five, six days, whatever it is, to come and you know guide and lead and instruct these courses. Whereas U.S. soccer is, is strictly player identification, so I'm not involved in the um, the curriculum side or the coaching education side with U.S. soccer, just through talent ID. Um, the both roles have have changed significantly. Um, United Soccer coaches, I would say, that's kind of more similar. I've been doing that since uh, 2011, 2012, mostly on the goalkeeping side, and the goalkeeping world is such a small world, so. 
myself and a few others have been kind of the mainstays and running that program for the education piece. And so I would say there's a lot of continuity there. Um, this, the scouting role for us soccer, man, that's drastically changed. Um, it seems like every couple of years they do overhaul and the role changes and how scouting is done in this country changes. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's much different for sure. When is the, when is the last time it went through a drastic overhaul and what, maybe what were some of the things that, uh, what, what were some of the main changes from, uh, from the yeah. last one? Yeah. So last year, um, they, you know, they, they went, they kind of split. Well, first off, there was so many, um, what was the exact ner- term for it? Talent ID managers or actually TAs. They're called technical advisors for specific regions in the country. And I think there were 12 or so of them on the men's side. And I know it was evolving on the women's side as the DA was being developed. But each one of the TAs had a region. In our region specifically, it was Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia and Florida, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and that TA was responsible in managing his network scouts, identifying players in that area, and obviously, um, if there's players identified in that that area, recommending them yes or no for the national team, youth national team setup. Well, last year, those roles were essentially split in, split in two, where one. One one guy now they have um, somebody on the east coast, somebody in central, and somebody on the west coast. So I think um, there's three now. There's three in what they call talent ID managers over the entire country. So in my region, there's an east coast talent ID manager, and he's responsible for managing all the states in the east coast and responsible for managing all the scouts, um, and then. What they've done is now they have a, a club manager as well in that region. So now they have various club managers where that person would help with um, the game models, club philosophies, um, playing style, and all that kind of stuff from the club standpoint. So now there, the, the idea is that there's a talent ID um, area, and then there, the other side of the spectrum is more of a club philosophy, club development area. Um, so it's, it's definitely the roles have kind of been split in half. Some, some people went in the talent IDs, um, spectrum, some, some went in the club developments, um, side of things. Now uh, I'm looking at my notes and, and I kind of jotted down some of the stuff you mentioned that you do. So assistant coach at Duke, recruiting coordinator there, U.S. soccer scout, coaching educator, at United soccer coaches. But I, I don't see anything on here that says that you're like a youth soccer coach or, or working with any of the development academies, but you are involved with, I'm assuming, um, watching a lot of the players that are involved in development academies. And I know that in the area where where you're operating, ECNL is also pretty big on the boys' side as well as the yeah. girls' side. So uh, I'm curious what your experience is with coaching at the, at the levels that you're scouting or... Um, or if you're if you're currently involved with coaching at, at this moment, yeah, you know I, I have worked at a couple um, DA clubs in the past. Uh, when I lived in Miami, Florida, I coached at Kendall Soccer Coalition, um, which is a I don't know about small, but it's a small when compared to these major, massive MLS clubs. But it's a club in Miami. Um, you know, when I was at FIU, I, I coached at FIU and I coached the DA there. I did that for about three years. Um, I actually, when I was there, I, I was um, I coached Lucha Gonzalez, 
um, myself, Lucci, and Matias Asori. Uh, Matias now is U17's coach at FC Dallas, and obviously Lucci's Lucci um, with the first team at FC Dallas. And so I coached those those two guys, and then, but everywhere, every step along the way, I, I've kind of gone on the college track, and along the college track, I've always pretty much had a club team. And in my area now, there's a, I coach a team, a club called Triangle United, which is a large club, but it's a non-DA club. Um, it's a non-ECNL club. We basically they play in the Premier League in the state and more like a state cup team, if you will. Um, but that's been a good experience. Um, and, and then obviously just down the road is NCFC, formerly known as Castle. Uh, that's a very large DA program, I think. I think they have quoted the, the largest, you know, youth to pro set up in the entire country. I think they claim to be uh, right down the road. So I, I definitely I work with them a lot. I, I recruit players out of that club a lot. Um, um, working with them as a as a scout, you do a lot of training centers. So I do a lot of th- things like that with the the fusion players, North Carolina Fusion, and then obviously NCFC. So. Even though I may I may not be coaching the DA, I'm quite involved in in different areas, and and ex- my experiences are positive. You know, for me, it's I, I'm a uh, uh, I'm not a glass ha- half empty kind of guy. You know, I, I'm kind of always you know trying to think of it from a positive uh, standpoint, and uh, for so for me, my my experiences have been pretty good. That's awesome to hear you say that, man. That's that's a cool way to put it too. Um, uh, I, I didn't know that you were coaching at Triangle, and when you started to talk about them not being in the ECNL or the DA, so you're kind of operating outside of those two, you know, two of the largest national organizations or leagues. I don't know what to call them at this point because the, yeah, like they service yeah. the entire country, but um, uh, two of those national organizations. So I'm I'm also curious too. Then, as a U.S. soccer scout, are you scouting teams? like uh like you coach so are you coach are you are you scouting the teams that that are like triangle united and the other teams in that in that premier league that you that you coach against in north carolina yeah you know when when i coach i try to put it on the coaching hat um as much as possible just because i, I think it's a slight disservice to my players if i'm i don't know worried about the opponent from a talent id standpoint you know i'm obviously watching the opponent but i'm looking at their their systems of play and and their playing model and how they press and, and how they defend and all that kind of stuff and how they build. So I'm looking at those kind of things versus more of a talent ID standpoint. Um, throughout my career, if, obviously, if there's ever a player that really stands out for U.S. soccer or Duke, you know that I'll certainly identify that player. But to be honest, my my level, the the club I coach at, is produced a lot of players. Like Manny Perez, for example, was on my club team a few years back. Um, Manny Perez, U twenty national team player, just signed with Celtic, right? Played at NC State. And so there's kids like that that will come through my club, but it's very rare that we get a player that's, um, or even we play against teams that have players of that quality. To be honest, um, you're you're looking at um, kind of your average, um, average to good, you know, player that's you know just on the outside looking in of a top ECNL or a top DA club. Um, but they're just you're good. Maybe you're solid mid major division one or division two, division three type players. Gotcha. Well, let me. I'm going to double down on that question. Maybe ask it in a different in a different way to 
maybe put some people at ease um, or, or, or maybe just peel back the curtain a little bit because a lot of, a lot of parents, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, a lot of fans operate outside of that DA network as well. And they operate outside of that ECNL network as well. And so I think a lot of times people say things like players are falling through the cracks, right? Meaning they're, they're Mm -hmm. not in the DA system. They're not in the ECNL system. And, and even being in the ECNL, it is still kind of outside of of the main hub of where people I think believe most of the scouting is happening. So, if I can ask that question in a different way, are 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 you able to scout outside of the DA, or are are you instructed to uh, scout outside of the DA and and to look, I guess, in those cracks that exist in American soccer? Yeah. Um, great question, and, and I, I agree. There are definitely kids falling through the cracks, um, and even myself. You know, I'm not too familiar. You know, I pride myself on and knowing the soccer landscape in this country very well. I mean, that's my job um, in multiple areas. But even myself, I don't know the ECNL clubs as much as I'd want. And if if I feel that way about ECNL clubs, I certainly feel that way about the level below that. Um, so there are certainly areas in the country that um um that i feel like maybe kids are falling through the crack a little bit more than not um in my area i think it's rare just because um the the major areas are close enough where kids are you know close enough that they can play for that team um but to answer the questions yes absolutely you know we can scout and identify players um, and non-DA clubs, certainly, I don't know the percentages, but, you know, for me, as a U.S. soccer scout, I have done two or three non-DA events. I've done a couple of regionals, as, and I've done actually two other events. I've done a couple of regionals. I've done a National League prior to, like, the East and now on the boys' side when National League was pretty big. I did a National League event here in Wilson, and then I did a I did Jefferson Cup one year. So I, I've done, like, four non-DA uh, events for u.s soccer uh and obviously for duke that's a difference that's a completely different conversation you know we we need to pick up and look under every single rock um but because of the, the size of the country and to in my opinion um there's just not enough scouts covering all areas and, and i think in our area of the state in our state in our region is fine but certainly i'm sure there's other areas that are not uh, there are many kids falling through the crack for sure when I was out in Raleigh last year uh, visiting Terry, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, the the Raleigh, just North Carolina soccer scene. It, it was like a, a breath of fresh air and come to find out that there were so many people out there that, that thought negatively about the, the North Carolina soccer scene. I'm like, man, you guys should come to California and see the disaster we have out here because, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like you mentioned, it's all pretty close together. It, it all seems... Uh, it, it, it all seems like it kind of works the, the way that everything's kind of been built out there, whether whether or not you're a fan of the mega clubs uh, like NCFC or, or, or things like that. But you have a you, you have a lot of uh, a lot of good work happening in, in relatively uh, um, nearby areas, which I think is a, is a big positive. Um, yeah, but w- but yeah. when, when you said that there aren't enough scouts and then I'm thinking back to what you mentioned earlier, like some of the regions in the states and how that's all broken down, like, you know, are it leads me to this question. Are you in charge of more than just like the, the, I don't even know what the cities are over there. So I'm thinking Raleigh, um, 
and just some like the, that, that greater Raleigh area, I guess, or are you doing all of the state of North Carolina and that's all on your shoulders? Yeah. Well, n- nothing's all on my shoulders. There's a few guys for sure. I, I think there's maybe three, four other scouts in our area. And, th- and I'm talking about the border, like right around South Carolina, the Rock Hill area, the Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, um, so I would say in our area, there's maybe four, three or four active scouts. And, and then I would say in addition to that, I'm sure our, um, our technical RTA guy or our talent ID manager has additional contacts in our state, in our region that he utilizes on a regular basis. But what falls you know, on my shoulders, essentially I'm assigned a game or I'm really – we're actually assigned players now. It's that's something that else has been involved. We used to just go ahead and scout games. We're no longer scouting games anymore. We're scouting players. So we're going out there to identify specific players, uh, specific needs for the national team, um, whether it's O threes or fours or fives or whatever have you. And, and then usually there's a recommendation of the name or going to list of a player that I'm going to watch. So I do know that they're, um, they, heavily involved the academy directors the academy directors definitely have a huge say on the front end um, of identifying young players and then the, the technical managers the, the talent id managers will manage that database and then utilize his or her scouts to go ahead and scout um, those respective markets so i would go scout a game uh, i'm responsible looking at one player um, obviously, if there's any other players that stand out, we certainly mention those. But, you know, I'm going out there specifically targeting a player to that's either a already been identified that's been talked about or something like that. Man, I, I, I <laughs> and I kind of texted you earlier today and told you a question I wanted to ask. And we're 20 minutes in and I feel like I'm nowhere near wanting to ask that question yet. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I, I have I have two questions that are that are burning my brain and I feel like these these will be useful to people that are listening because we have a lot of parents and obviously a lot of coaches that listen to this. But um, after what you just talked about, the two questions that popped into my head is, are, are um, at what age are you starting to look at players? So at what age are, are you getting that information from the development Academy directors or, or, you know, what, what, at what age are, are players starting to arrive on your list? And then as you go out and you're watching these games or these players, what are you looking for? Like what, what types of notes are you, are you writing down? Are you looking at connected passes? Are you looking at shots or goals or um, what, what are, what are the types of things that, that are making you move your pen? Yeah. Are you asking in reference to Duke or U S soccer? U S soccer. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Um, so U S soccer, they have um, certain, a list of certain criteria that they look for in a player. You know, it's, Take initiative, uh, be responsible, uh, t- technical ability, physical ability, um, game intelligence. Um, so they have all they have all these things that they want us as scouts to look for in a player. Um, essentially, yeah, we we go and use this kind of matrix, if you will, use this. Um, uh, I guess they call it a player profile, the, the the profile of player that we're looking for in U.S. soccer. We, we go out and watch the player based on that profile. So we grade uh, the player in that in each and every one of those categories. And in addition to that, we track, yeah, 
um, the the analysis from a from a personal standpoint. So how we see the game as a scouts are they making an impact? Um, how are they making an impact offensively? Whether it's through chances created, um, goals, assists, shots, um, key passes. Um, are they making an impact defensively? So this is where a lot of the su- um, subjectivity comes into play. You know, are they are they responsible? Are they defending? Do they work hard off the ball? Are they tactically? Do they tactically understand their position? Do they tactically understand the game? Um, in relation to the, the team's tactical principles and the opponents, so we kind of take. I would assume all scouts handle that piece differently, but that's kind of what I look for. I, I, I first take the, the the criteria, right? I first look at, okay, this is the kind of profile the U.S. soccer is looking for, and then I take in my subjectivity and I say, okay, this is what I like in a player. This is what, what players do when they make an impact for me, whether it's offensively or defensively or in transition or so on. So interesting, and I, and I like that you mentioned – that there is a little bit of subjectivity in there because I, th- I feel like that's an honest, uh, it's, 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 it's you being honest and, and that's good for people to hear that, 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 you know, each scout is going to be a little bit different and there's going to be a little bit of, of contrasting flavors kind of just based on where that person is from or, or what that person does or what that person likes. I think that's important. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe another question, geez, I, I have like 400 questions in my head right now, but, um, <laughs> How how does that rating scale look, or, or or what kind of score are you giving players? Is it like a one to five, a one to ten? Uh, yeah. Or is there another? Yeah. Is there another? Is there other um, words that are used to describe the the player ratings? Yeah, I think I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's a, it's a one to five system, and essentially, but it's, it's less about the numbers and more so what the numbers mean. It's you're either recommending a player for international competition, like he's a top tier, must be national team level player right now. You're, you know, he's an international player. So you're talking about the top five um, percent of the national team. You know, the current age group of the O2s. These are top two or three, five players. And then there's uh, national team levels. So you're recommending him. Okay, he should be in the national team. Then you're recommending him national team considerations. So there's first international that we, we see him as a top of our age group in, in the country. We see him a part of the national team. That We see him, we're recommending him for the pool to be in consideration. And then there's, uh, under that I think is a top academy uh, prospects to the top 10% uh, or the top 10 in their position in the uh, in the entire DA or in the country. And then there's the last, I think, mark, which is um, not in consideration at all, um, meaning the bottom of their own roster or, uh, or the bottom half of their team, whatever have you. So that's kind of how th- that's the matrix. And then we submit that along with um, um, a some wording, you know, a description of the game, um, what the level of the opponent was like, what the level of the game was a difficult game, was an easy game, uh, what the conditions were, and then we have a little uh, little synopsis. We basically we're basically as if we're talking to the talent ID manager and talking to scouting and uh, or the national team coach to say, hey, coach, we are recommending this player because of A, B, and C, or coach, we're not recommending this player because of A, B, and C. So interesting to me, and I, and I really do think that the parents and coaches are going to geek out on that because it's really important. Again, I think for for parents and coaches to hear that and, and 
to hear kind of the bluntness of, of how that grading matrix is used. And I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's really important to, to hear that it, to, to receive a five on that player scale is you're recommending that player thinking that that player is going to be in the top 5% of the existing national team pool, which right, right. I mean, th- that, that is incredibly, incredibly hard to do. And I think it's, in, it's also realistic too to, to think that there's not very many fives out there and, and maybe coaches and parents have the wrong idea about what a five really, really, really is in this country. And, and there's just not that many of them that exist. Uh, it to me yeah. is, is what I'm imagining. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you hand out fives like, uh, like candy on Halloween. I don't know what, <laughs> what kind of scale. <laughs> no, you yeah. You're right. In my, in my region, I've never, I've never given out a five. The only wow. player that I've recommended in my region is Adam Armour, um, who, um, who is been identified as a, as a player that's, you know, played for the O twos, was down in Concacaf qualifying, and he was like the one big player in our in our area that's kind of now with a uh, a national team setup. So it's 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 rare to be given fives uh, for sure. And the only thing I didn't mention before is once we submit the analysis on each player and we kind of give our report, we actually have a database. It's something that's also evolved for the next of the last year. We have we have a constant running database in our region and we're able to see others from other regions. So we're able to see the player pool for all O2s, all O3s in our specific. Um, well, first we have our own specific shortlist. So Chris Rich will have a shortlist and then I'm able to see all the ones in my network. And then I'm able to see all the ones in the pool. Um, and that's actually something that's evolved over the last year or so because before it was kind of like, you know, you didn't know what you were – you knew what you were identifying, but you didn't know what other player, what other scouts saw. So now there's a lot more collaboration within players, and now you're getting – now the, the the national team staff is able to manage all these different, different of opinions and recommendations and, and this and that, whereas before it wasn't as streamlined. All right. I have, I have one more question about scouting, and it's kind of like a, like a funny question, I guess, and uh, I, I don't know how you'll answer it, but um, – is there is there one scout or, or maybe a handful of scouts that are absolutely just nailing it? Or is there is there a person or, or a group of people that are that are just killing it when it comes to scouting? And, and if so, um, are other are other scouts learning or, or or looking at them for advice on on what they're uh, what they're noticing or finding? Yeah, that's that's a that's a hard question. Um, you know. I, I first off, I think Tony Lapore, who kind of is the head of talent ID in U.S. soccer, does a fantastic job. Um, you know, just his, his, his attention to detail, his organization, his management of the scouts, um, um, making it clear and precise on what he's looking for or what U.S. soccer is looking for. So I think he does a fantastic job in terms of how he runs the entire program. At least it works for me. Um, and it's, you know, I, I like how structured it is. Um, now beyond that, to be honest, I, I, I don't see like, that's the thing about scouting. You don't see all these other guys. You don't see how they do it or if they're, um, identifying the right players. There's no, like, I don't know, return. There's no summary of what each scout is doing or not doing. Um, so I, I couldn't even tell you, I do know that they have a new talent ID license, uh, or sorry, a scouting license that us soccer has come up with where, 
Uh, they're trying to just like uh, your A license or your B license. They're trying to create a uh, education piece for scouting. But I know that there's a pilot um, license last. Um, actually, it was this past spring. Um, that's something that's going to evolve as well. So I guess we'll know more as we go forward. But it's something that, to be honest, even though I'm involved, y- you don't know that information. Yeah, that's interesting. And and the whole licensing thing, I guess that that'll transition us into an, another piece of uh of your day-to-day work which is which is coaching education and coach and coach licensing um even though you're working with united soccer coaches when it comes to when it comes to coaching education um licensing and and education is is one of the biggest things that we deal with here in, in american soccer and i actually just heard recently that a group of coaches are going over to spain to acquire their scouting licenses so it's like this whole other network of, of scouting licenses that is now popping up and becoming its own little um facet of, of the licensing industry which oh, is wow. pre- which is pretty interesting um yeah i think that's going to be with m mbp school i think is what it's called i don't know what the acronym stands for but okay, um, okay. mbp uh, based out of barcelona um so yeah so the licensing thing obviously um, changes to the U.S. soccer coaching education structure in in recent years. I just people are probably sick of hearing me talk about my experience with the C with the C course. Um, last year, when I was out in in, in North Carolina, I went out and watched the uh, United Soccer Coaches training session um, at what's this Wake Med? Is that what it is? Yeah, Wake Med. That's yep. right. Yeah. So I went out there and I was in the bushes, but I was watching, I think it was you lead a course, um, which is, which was pretty fun. And, uh, yeah. So co- coaching education or, or now we're on that topic, which I think is important. And, and I'm excited to get your thoughts on, on this as well. But, uh, the question that I texted you earlier and I wanted you to be prepared for it instead of being caught off guard was what do people need to know about coaching education in American soccer? And, maybe just just in general just your your thoughts on on the landscape of coaching education right now yeah well first um well first thanks for uh giving me a heads up on that that (laughs) very helpful um yeah i mean there's to me there's two i don't know if it's exactly two but i look at two different ways i i see there are more the formal coaching education which is the licensing structure where you're going through U.S. soccer, you go through United Soccer Coaches, and there's that pathway. But then I also see the very informal coaching education, which I do every single day, which is free, which is watching games, which is watching training sessions, which are having conversations. Um, to me, coaching education is so accessible in this country or just nowadays in general, not just in this country, but either via social media or uh, the access to be able to watch training sessions or have conversations. I, I, you know, so I, I view coaching education very holistically, um, whereas some may just look at it, I want to get my licenses. So from the licenses perspective, uh, well, first off, you have to know it's, they're expensive, right? Um, I Personally, I'm doing my A senior license right now. Um, I am... I guess seven months into it right now. I started in January. Um, I've completed all the, the weeks and the assignments. Now U.S. Soccer is going to come out in the fall and test me in my environment. Uh, um, so now um, they they have obviously changed up the the structure as well. So I'm going through the process as well. It's so it's expensive. It's time consuming. 
but for me, it's super powerful. You know, I, I, I've heard, and I, me as well, but I've heard that many have had negative experiences. And I know the structure in the past, I as well haven't always had the most positive experience in the world. Uh, but U.S. soccer has um, transformed, if you will. Um, personally, my instructor is fantastic. Is a guy by the name of Stefan Siebert, uh, which is a German um, guy that runs the, is the technical lead for the A senior license, I think A youth and, and uh, the pro license. Um, he's fantastic. Um, so, you know, for me, it's been a very challenging, humbling, um, and time consuming process uh, where they have literally broken down what they see all the aspects of coaching, whether it's coaching a training session, coaching games managing the performance environment, um, leadership, and so on. So they're looking at it very holistically, and they're saying, okay, to be a successful coach, you need to be good in all these different categories. Let, let's teach you and let's develop you and let's put you through practical and theoretical exercises in each and every one of those categories. Um, so over the last seven months, that's what I've been doing, and it's obviously not over yet. Um, so for me – um, the last license I actually took was 2011, which is when I got my B license. Um, so it was a long time now. Um, and even in 2011, it was completely different. Uh, it was you go there for nine days, you do whatever the instructor wants, and you get your license. <laughs> you know, and and it's a little, you know, you, of course you have to cater to your instructor a little bit. You know, you have to, you know, you have to manage that piece as well. But it's so much more. Uh, this it's much more developing now it's it's more helping you develop your own ideas helping you develop your own game model and style play and so on so for me the more formal formal pathway in u.s soccer is so much better now now i don't know if it's it's still not accessible to all i mean the the a senior license i think there's 36 people they do one course a year the b license i think there's three a year right um I'm not sure how many of the others. So I think it's still not accessible to all, but the standard is much higher. And and I what I feel personally, the um, U.S. Soccer, the Federation, is given a lot more. They're they're helping and guiding a lot more than they used to. Um, so so the for, more the formal education piece, the coaching educational piece, is is all of the above as I mentioned. But I, I have found it a very positive experience. Um, then there's the opposite side of the spectrum is Unite Soccer Coaches. And it's actually unique because I've been going through this course as a candidate, and now twice a year I, I run these residential courses as an instructor. And it's a completely different hat that I wear, but I, I love it just as much because I'm constantly learning, I'm constantly developing, I'm challenging myself as an instructor, as a candidate. And, but in Unite Soccer Coaches, it's a lot more, uh, let's say, casual um, they, um, it's a five day course. It's a one time thing. And then in addition to that, then at least the court, the instructor, the course that I was instructing, the, there is a, a staff member that goes out and evaluates them in their environment, but you go through the curriculum for five days, uh, and then it becomes a collaboration um, throughout the week. And then obviously they, they go in their environment and they test and so on. So, but there's the personalities among the leadership in the two organizations are completely different. Uh, but again, since I'm a glass um, half full kind of guy, I see positives in both. And then what, what I kind of 
mentioned in the the front of the the conversation is there is free coaching education everywhere you look uh, i mean watch the Copa america watch the u20 world cup watch um um the gold cup even though it's, uh, it's not that great right now uh, <laughs> watch uh the u21 qualifiers watch um any the women's world cup i mean i mean oh my oh my god there's so many options and so many games available to us nowadays on tv it's it, honestly I, I know just by following you john I, I know you're watching a ton of games i don't know how, it's impossible to keep up with it um there's just so many games available to us today so to me whether it's your more your formal coaching education or it's your less formal and you're just you're free watching the game, watching training sessions. To me, those are just as impactful as well. I, lo- I love that you brought that up. And informal education has actually made the biggest impact on my own coaching education. And it's actually how I even got started with this whole podcasting thing is, you know, I, I used to just go down and watch Brian Clyburn's training sessions before, mm-hmm. you know, 343 was a coaching education platform. So I was just going down to observe and, and pick up, you know, little little tidbits from, from his training sessions and and ultimately what the the guys ended up doing was creating a coaching education platform or program online that that showcased all the stuff that I got a chance to go and see live and and you know Brian wasn't the only person I was watching during that time I was watching sessions at the local division one university Cal Poly San Luis Obispo I was you know traveling down to the national team training center which was what was it called then StubHub or Home Depot mm-hmm. Center or whatever. I was watching youth national team training sessions. I was sneaking into those sessions. I posed as a as a photographer for Top Drawer Soccer one time and uh, snuck into a training session for the I think the U19s at that time. Um, but just going down and and just taking in all of those free things and and I've really stressed to to other people that listen to this podcast to go in and and reach out to your local college coaches or reach out to a. Uh, 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 club coach that's maybe two divisions up from you or two age groups up from you and go watch their training sessions and, and learn or, or, or if you're not learning, maybe you can turn it into, you know, Hey, I would never do that with my teams. Maybe you see something that you would never do. Um, you know, there's always something to take away from, from watching uh, a training session or watching a game too. And I think that's really important that you brought that up because a, a lot of coaches that I see, just go to the field they they do their thing and then they go home and make dinner and then they're, they're on to the next thing you know soccer soccer is no longer in their brain until their next practice so there's always yeah, the, yeah. like the little things that you can be doing for free that that are that are really really important um and and, and to to continue on that path what are, what are some of the things that you did in the past or that you continue to do um to to kind of bulk up your informal education, what what are what are some of the things that have been the most impactful with your coaching career? Yeah, um, for me, it's, it's a lame or maybe general answer, but just being around the game as much as possible. Um, you know, whether it's my own environment or going to watch other people's environments, um, just like you, my experiences have been the most impactful. You know, watching training session, connecting, talking about the game. Um, definitely the coaching education and coaching courses, but also um, big piece now for me is on, you know, evaluating and studying different styles of play. Um, nowadays you look at, everybody thinks, um, Oh, everybody plays a possession based style play. 
Well, I, I'm, you know, nowadays you look at it and there's positional play and there's possession based and there's transitional teams and there's um, different kind of defensive teams, there's different kind of counter pressing teams, there's different kind of this and that. So for me, it's also probably what's been the biggest impact, at least over recent years, is studying the the specifics in one area of the game. You know, you can spend hours and hours and hours on pressing uh, and studying how. Um, this team presses or that team presses and okay is that man-to-man press is that zonal press is that is that uh, uh man-to-man or you know more of a hybrid um you know and you're looking at the different styles of play within all these top level coaches and these all these teams whether it's whether domestically or on tv or you download the game and you analyze it from there for me that's been my where i've grown the most recently because the game has evolved so much um, and kind of to your last point, if you're not keeping up with it and if you're not studying the game, it's going to pass you by. And we all know those coaches where the game has passed them by. And it's probably the majority where the minority are, are, are actually um, living and breathing this game and challenging themselves every single day. I mean, even little differences like the new goal kick rule, how you can now pass inside the area. That's going to change the distances of the press uh, of the build-up play significantly. So I'm honestly excited to, to study that. So for me, it's all about those little little little, um, little sessions, whether you're going out and watching or you're studying online or you're analyzing video. For me, that's probably been the, been the most beneficial from a developing standpoint, um, certainly from a tactical standpoint, because that's how I learn best um, visually. Um, but definitely, you know, just to be as straightforward as I can about your answer is through the experiences. I mean, I've been at five different college programs. I'm counting my head as we speak. Um, and five, that's, a, that's probably a lot. I'd say it's more, it's more, more than most. And, and, and I've worked it for five great coaches and five, um, um, great programs. And, and I feel, I feel very lucky to do so. I, I've coached club teams at every step along the way. I try to be involved in every piece of the game, whether it's scouting or coaching education or it's having conversations like this, John, or, uh, or um, it's, you know, working alongside or watching training sessions. You know, I feel like the coaches I've been able to watch and work with in the college game, but also, you know, a lot also as well as the youth game, you know, I was able to assist and work alongside Lucha Gonzalez 10 years ago, you know, and I've been able to see his, obviously his um, pathway as a coach and, and where he is now. But, you know, I, I was able to learn so much from him, and that's just one example. So to me, it's probably twofold. It's, it's, it's the former when it was more so myself studying the game from a tactical standpoint, but also just my personal experiences. I want to uh, kind of transition into uh, – into, um... Well, I guess uh, ending ending the call is what I was thinking in my head, but I was trying to figure out a nicer way to say that. But <laughs> uh, uh, I, I do before before we end the call, I guess is is what I should say. I want to get your thoughts on on just one more thing. Um, having all of this experience and having worked for five five different college programs and and probably numerous different clubs with people like Lucci, with people like Matias, um, having your experience with with us soccer as a scout how how does that shape you as an educator for united soccer coaches and what what are some of the main points that you're 
really adamant about getting across to the coaches when you when you have their full attention and, and what is maybe one or two things that you're you're really hoping that coaches that attend your courses leave with by the end of that week yeah that's a that's a great question um I would say your attention to detail and always understanding why you do things. So because every every training session, every the way that you design it, you better know the why. Every video session um, and you're delivering to your players, you better know the why. And what I mean by that is if you have if your session is designed uh, and you your topic is building out of the back, well, you don't you want your team to build out of the back a certain way based on the opposition based on what your team's going to see on the weekend right so you know if you're training if you're doing training sessions designs and you're adding this restriction you're adding this player on there and you're adding this neutral whatever you're doing just understanding the why and if you can justify your why to me or i mean not just to me to yourself but also um and make it make sense that way then then maybe it is a good thing to do. But there's so many coaches out there just that run crazy training sessions that aren't realistic to the game. So everything is all about the game. So uh, we're trying to develop players um, individually. Um, definitely, um, that's what we need to do more of, create better individual players. You try to create better teams all and prepare them for the game. It has to always relate to back to the game. It has to be game realistic. So what for me... Uh, I always try to encourage people to be to focus on every detail that everything matters. Where you put the cones, where you put the mini goals. Um, that's just training session designs. How you deliver the video session, how you communicate to your players, um, how you manage your staff. Every single detail matters um, to becoming a successful coach. So the details, understanding your why, and making it game realistic would be the three general statements I would say that I would like to get across as an instructor. You mentioned mini goals. So I want to give a shout out to the podcast sponsor bounce athletics because they have a badass mini goal that they, that they produce. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so go check that out coaches. Um, Chris, where, where can people connect with you further and where can people maybe uh, follow up with questions if, if they want to, uh, to ask you some stuff about what we talked about today? Yeah, my, my best, probably the best uh, form of getting a hold of me is through Twitter um, at Coach Chris Rich. Um, so it's at sign Coach Chris Rich. That's probably the best way. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to touch base to talk about anything, really. That's awesome, man. Um, I, I really appreciate your time. I, I also want to make sure that I give you a, an opportunity to uh, to talk about anything that you anticipated talking about? Is there something that, that you came on here expecting to, to talk about or expecting me to ask? Um, and, and if so, let, let's make sure we, we get it out to coaches. No, no. I, I think, you know, I really, I really enjoyed this. It seemed uh, I like things off the cuff. And uh, obviously, uh, you're doing a great job, John. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've listened to your podcast quite a few times. So I just really appreciate you having me on. And Obviously, if there's any additional questions for me later on, I'd love to do it again. Absolutely, man. Um, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your 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 persistence in, in, in the pursuit of uh, of coaching education and also educating coaches because I feel like you're 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 fighting on two fronts, which is which is really cool to see. And and I appreciate you sharing your experiences with everybody. I think there's a lot that people can learn from you, man. 
awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.